You're listening to The Horseman's Mindset, where we talk about horses, mindset, and mental health as it relates to your horsemanship journey. In this episode, I get to visit with our guest, Dr. Katie Sisk of Cadence Sports Medicine and Rehab out of Carthage, Missouri. We visit about maintaining the performance horse, when to stop and question if your horse's change in performance, lack of consistency, or behavioral issues might actually be your horse telling you that he's experiencing some type of physical pain or discomfort. It's important to remember that horses each have their own unique pain tolerance, and some of them might even trot off and appear to be completely sound, but maybe have some other symptom pointing to a lameness that isn't as obvious or straightforward. Dr. Sisk also talks about trusting your gut If you feel like there's something going on with your horse, stick to your guns. And it's been my personal experience as a trainer that lameness problems can be a lot like untangling this huge ball of twine. And it can take multiple appointments, multiple lameness exams, and sometimes multiple treatments even to pinpoint the cause of those more elusive lamenesses. Remember, you are your horse's biggest advocate. So make sure you're surrounding yourself with a team of professionals who listen to you, take you seriously, and all work together to create a holistic program for your horse. This team includes your body workers, your farrier, your trainer, and your vet, and sometimes multiple vets if your horse needs to be seen by a specialist or if you need a second opinion. If you don't have a performance horse, I assure you that this podcast is still for you. Maybe your horse has trouble navigating certain terrain on the trails, and that's him asking for you to take a closer look at him physically to make sure he's comfortable and pain-free and able to do his job. Let's dive in. I'm your host, Ashley Purden, and I want to help you to bridge the gap between where you are now and where you want to be with your horse. I'm going to teach you what it is that separates good horsemen from the rest and how you can grow into that role for your horse. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Hello everyone, I'm excited to be talking with our guest, Dr. Katie Sisk today of Cadence Sports Medicine and Rehab out of Carthage, Missouri. And today we're going to be talking about the correlation between behavioral or performance changes in your horse and physical changes that maybe are occurring and causing them. The idea that a behavioral change or a new or ongoing training issue may in fact be your horse not being a jerk and maybe your horse asking for help is a concept that I feel like a lot of riders and trainers miss. And sometimes it takes a very tenacious owner and vet combination to unearth the root cause of an issue and get the horse the help that they need to be able to do their job. And one of the things that I think that gives Dr. Sisk a unique viewpoint as a vet is that she also rides and competes at a high level in the sport of eventing. So Dr. Sisk, could you introduce yourself a little bit further and tell us about your Mary Lenny and what you guys have been up to lately? Sure. So my name is Katie Sisk. Um, I've been a veterinarian going on about seven years now. Um, I went to the University of Missouri for my training, and then I did an internship in Kansas City at Will Height and Breeze Equine Hospital, and then stayed on there as an associate for several years, and they did a really good job giving me 
very excellent foundation that I was then able to kind of springboard off of when I decided to move back to my hometown of Carthage and open my own practice down here. Um, kind of my practice, I, I do everything, but then definitely like sports medicine and lameness and preventive care of the performance horse is kind of my bread and butter and why people travel to see me down here. Um, it's definitely a niche that there was a big hole for down here. And uh, I realized that when we moved to Missouri and I was in high school showing and there was no performance vets, you had to travel several hours to see anybody that was able to help you. Um, so that's kind of what inspired me to go to vet school and um, pursue this career path. So I'm really happy that it's kind of come full circle. We opened our practice in March of 2020, which was a really scary time to become a new business owner when everything fell apart due to COVID. But we've been extremely fortunate. Like I have just been gangbusters busy since we started. Um, and it's just grown and grown kind of almost to the capacity where I don't quite know how to handle and manage it. But that's a good problem to have. Right. It's been a, a new and exciting challenge. So in addition to the performance horse spectrum, we have to do a lot of repro work. Um, it's been getting crazier every year. And then just general horse health, um, a lot of chiropractic and acupuncture work as well um, that kind of melds into the performance horse stuff. So that's a little bit in a nutshell, like my veterinary side of things. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I've been really fortunate. I kind of lucked into breeding one of the mares that I had. I had purchased a breeding for a different mare that I had and it, it didn't work out. So I ended up using Lenny's mom and she's just turned out to be a phenomenal horse. So she actually went to Ashley's program as a two-year-old and was started um, with some yeah, American with Beth cats. Olson too. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun yep. one. So I think she was there for like a month or two and just kind of got a little bit of a basic groundwork handle on her and got to see life a little bit. And then um, we started her late in her three-year-old year and she just kind of has taken off and taken everything in stride and she's really young for what she's doing. She's, she's just turned six um, this past April, uh, but we just actually got home last night from North Carolina. We did our first FEI event together. Um, we completed a one there at Tryon. So that was really exciting. And it was really interesting too, seeing like how the FBI riders and the FBI vets um, manage performance horses, like in a strict setting, as far as like uh, upper level competition like that, but then also how they integrate like in taking care of the performance horse, because obviously it's a lot more intense when you have like three and four star horses that are doing like 10 minute tracks on cross country. Um, yeah. The recovery different than than some of the other shows that we've been to so yeah Lenny's Lenny's been great and she's been kind of a horse of a lifetime she never lets me down and she likes to win so, <laughs> so it's, hey not a bad quality at all yeah, that's we, awesome so um tell me a little bit about what was going on with Lenny when you made that Facebook post a few weeks ago yeah, so I mean, 
I'd gotten to know her really well. And I think, you know, breeding her and raising her from a baby, you kind of have a good handle on what is the norm for that horse. And we've gotten to a point in our performance that she's, she's kind of definitely still has green moments, but has become a pretty solid citizen. And, and now we're getting to the point where you kind of know what to expect from every ride. It's just not you're not just riding a green horse and never know what you're going to get. So I started having just some inconsistencies with her. Um, there's some movements that she just always nails and does really well, like especially like her lengthenings and dressage, like at the trot and at the canter. She's really she has a very powerful hind end and it's really able to push. And there's just some things where she's starting to get a little dumpy on her shoulders and she's starting to have choppy lengthenings and it's like oh my gosh this is just not how this horse operates and you could you could feel like she wasn't being naughty it wasn't like no I'm not going to do this red-headed mare moment like <laughs> right. it was, I I physically am having a hard time like I'm trying mom but I can't so um you know I have some really good trainers uh, in Julie Wolfer and Claudia Coley and I was taking a lesson with Claudia and I was like, you know, she just doesn't feel right. And she was like, I agree. She's like, she doesn't look lame at all while I'm watching her, but she's just doing some things that are in her normal wheelhouse. So we looked at her that day and, and kind of flexed her out and she's had a really big spring. We went down to Florida in February for a few weeks and we've done a lot of traveling because the shows we're doing now are anywhere from 12 to 14 hours from, from where we live. So she's been hauled a whole lot. Um, and then in constant work during the spring season that we're in. So she's just starting to get a little bit sore. And we found that when we were doing a lameness workup on her, I mean, you put her on the lunge and you put her on the straight line. She doesn't, you wouldn't look at her and think like, oh, that horse is lame. But then we started flexing her and there was just some inconsistencies in some areas that she had a bit of pain. So, um, we decided to address some of her joints, um, you know, there's, I don't know how much you want to get into that front, but there's different things that, that you can use to treat young horses or, or horses, depending on their age and their work and, and things like that. So we ended up doing some pro stride in her joints, um, just to help limit inflammation. And, uh, you know, a week later, she was back to being her, her normal self. And she's just kind of getting better when we were at try on this past week, like, she was jumping me out of the tack. So I guess she was, she was feeling darn good. <laughs> nice. I do want to ask you real quick. So something that I hear a lot from people is that there's this misconception that joint injections degrade the joint over time. And I've had people be really leery about even having a lameness done on their horse. Cause they're like, Oh, we're not going to inject it. Like no matter what, I'm not injecting it. And um, so could you tell us a little bit about kind of the different types of injections and um, like the benefit or the cost of doing that over long periods of time for the horses and what we're looking at? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, you want, you know, not every veterinarian is going to be a perfect fit for every client. So just like trainers work really well with certain personality types or certain horse types, it's going to be the same things, same thing for vets. So it's not a one size fit all. You have to figure out somebody that you get along with and communicate well with that you trust that is on your team and can figure out the best treatment for your horse. 
because what might work really well for this horse would be a completely different plan for the next horse that might have the same exact problem. So whenever I am evaluating a horse, you know, I kind of run through the same type of lameness exam. No matter what I'm looking at on a horse, I just want to be very complete and methodical in my exam. So I try to not miss anything that way or jump to conclusions because it's easy for, you know, owner to come in and say like, oh, this horse is lame on the left front. Well, then you get to looking at it and you find that it also has hind end issues or has back issues or, or things like that. So if you just only like focus on that left front, you would be missing potentially 75% of the rest of the problems. Um, and we could so talk about compensation lamenesses too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, that's how I kind of go through my exam. And then depending on what we're finding in the exam, I always give my clients a range of options of what we can do. First, we go through all the diagnostics that we can potentially do. And then we go through all the different treatment options that we can do. Um, then we pick and choose what works best, A, for the client in their budget, because not everybody has like an unlimited wealth of funds that they can right. pour into their horse. And then B, what works well for that horse, given what they're being asked to do, their age, you know, how they're put together, just, and how they've potentially responded to, to previous treatments. So I think some of the more conservative things that people can do or your things even as simple as like potentially putting a horse like on a joint supplement or potentially Prevacox. Like if your goal is to have like a pleasure riding horse that you're taking on a trail ride, you might pursue that horse differently than like, hey, this is my FEI horse that I need to go jump around a 10 minute track of cross country. So right. it's like about making the horse comfortable for the job that they're doing. Exactly. So, you know, we kind of all go over conservative treatments as far as like Prevacox or, or something like an Adequan or a Legend. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk about potentially like joint injections if we're seeing that that's something we need to do. And then within the joint injection category, you know, you can decide, are we going to do steroids and high this or are we going to do something more along the lines of like a pro stride? Um, and it really depends on what joints are being treated and how old the horse is and, and what problems it has. Because sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error to see what works best for that horse. Some horses might respond really well to steroids and hibis where they don't respond that well to regenerative therapies like ProStride and vice versa. So <clears throat> it's really dependent on the horse. I will say with steroids, I think why people get leery about that is typically there is a little bit of degradation of the cartilage every time you put steroids into a joint. But if you're putting steroids into the joint, it's because the joint is already inflamed and the horse is already degrading that joint on its own way more than a steroid is ever going to do. Hmm. So that's why you want to have an appropriate exam to figure that out so you don't want to just take a horse and be like oh I have this three-year-old horse and say he's doing raining or something like that let's just do his hawks to be proactive right like no not appropriate but say you have that same three-year-old raining horse and you flex it and it's really sore in its hawks then that might be an appropriate course of action and a steroid is not going to hurt that curlage any more than than what that horse is already doing to itself being sore 
So I wouldn't be scared of steroids that way, um, but there is a, a benefit and cost to it when you're, when you're using that method. So with the Pro Stride, it's really nice because what it is, and there's plenty of other regenerative therapies, you know, you may have heard of IRAP, PRP, Renovo is a new one um, that people are using more and more. So just different biologics that people are starting to use in place of steroids. Um, so a lot of times with these biologics, they're harvested from blood from that horse. The ProStride is really cool because you harvest it and process it all in the same day, all in the same appointment and inject it into the horse. Um, so Basically, you're using the horse's own anti-inflammatory factors, as well as growth factors, which then relay on to healing components and putting it into the joint. So not only are you getting an anti-inflammatory effect, but you're also getting potentially a healing effect of the cartilage. Whereas with the steroids, you're really just getting the anti-inflammatory effect. So little bit differences on the timelines. If you're using steroids, it's going to be more along the lines of like 10 to 14 days, what you have at that point, that's what it's going to be. Whereas the pro stride, it's more like three to four, it's going to keep getting better up into that three to four week mark. Um, so you might notice an improvement within that first week, but it kind of steadily continues to improve. So the nice thing about the pro stride is you're not going to damage the cartilage at all when you're injecting that into your horse. You're only going to have a benefit. So really the only risk in going into a joint and putting ProStride in that joint is the potential for a joint infection just because you're putting a needle into the joint. It's always an inherent risk. So for me with my horse, she lives on Adequan. So she gets that every six months. Um, that's always like kind of my first go-to. I think it's a really nice preservative for a young horse, especially a young horse like her that's getting worked hard. And, you know, I have specific goals with her and I want to use her while she's feeling good and while she's capable of, of doing those things, as long as it fits in and we're progressing training wise and she's handling that mentally and physically. Um, so, so when she lets me know that we can do it, like we're going to keep going and keep striving. So, um, I want to keep her feeling as good as possible. Um, so with that, she stays on the Adequan. She gets that every six months during heavy times of training or before shows. I also integrate in legend kind of into her routine. So the Adequan works really well at the level of the cartilage and helps to nourish the joint, whereas Legend works really well at the joint fluid level. So it kind of works from the inside out. So they work really nicely together, um, depending on what you have going on. Okay. And, um, you know, for her, I do pro stride on her because even with the Adequan and the Legend, she was still coming up a little bit sore just because she's been traveling a lot. She's been working really hard. You know, potentially if she had a lighter schedule, I wouldn't need to do those things, um, but she doesn't. So, so I have to take care of her. Um, I'm not going to make her work sore and potentially risk her hurting other portions of her body, like a soft tissue injury or something like that, because she's compensating for sore joints. Hey 
Hey friends, just a quick second. We're gonna take a break from our episode and talk about my upcoming clinic schedule this summer. The first clinic I have on the books is June 12th. This is gonna be a general horsemanship clinic. Each one of these clinics is gonna be held at EC Equine Center in Lewisburg, Kansas. We'll start this one with groundwork in the morning, riding in the afternoon. That's gonna be my format for all three clinics as well. In this horsemanship clinic, we're gonna build your confidence over obstacles, build your control at all three gates if you're interested in working at a lope. If you're not, that's completely fine as well. You'll learn how to handle unpredictable environments, learn how to read your horse more accurately, and learn how to develop a better seat. I really strive to meet each and every rider at their unique level and break things down into easy, simple, to understand steps. The next clinic is going to be July 17th. It'll be a body control clinic, again in Lewisburg, Kansas. We'll teach you how to build your confidence in your cues. We will build your control at a lope if you're interested. You'll learn how to install new buttons on your horse, learn how to become more clear to your horse, learn how to develop a better seat. And as always, each and every clinic, I check your saddle and equipment fit. The last clinic for the summer is going to be August 14th. It's going to be a patterns clinic. These are patterns that I use to teach horses how to have impulsion, which means an equal amount of woe and go. So you're not wrestling with your horse either way, trying to get them to be faster or slower than what they want to be naturally. This will help balance all of that. We're going to learn how to develop a more willing horse, develop more consistency in your rides, build your confidence, teach your horse how to listen to you in a group, and teach you how to be a more effective leader. Each of these clinics will have lunch provided, and we have overnight pens available for you out-of-towners as well. If you're interested in these, a link in the show notes to my website, pioneerhorsemanship.com, will be there, and you can check it out online. Now we'll get back to the episode. You talked a little bit about your trainers and you collaborating, trying to figure out what was going on with this horse. And that's something that like for me as a trainer is super important when I choose a vet to work with, or like that makes some of my clients vets easier to work with than others is when you guys will listen to when I say that there has been some kind of a change in the horse. And like, obviously I don't know what it is. I'm not the vet, but I can tell that, Hey, this isn't this horse acting normally. Or sometimes someone will bring in a horse that's like a problem horse and I figure out after, you know, trying to work through it as a training problem for a few days that we're making no headway um, and then take it in for a lameness exam. And we've found all kinds of things. I mean, from like EPM to um, wobblers (laughs) to, you know, lameness things that are more traditional than navicular. I mean, like all kinds of stuff. So, um, so like, how is it? Like, what can we do on our part of it to make it a little bit easier for you to start looking for stuff? Is there anything we can do or is just coming in for a full lameness kind of the way to go? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit dependent on the horse. So sometimes people will bring me a horse and it's clearly lame. Like you just do your basic lameness and you're like, well, I can tell you why you're having (laughs) easy peasy. But there are some, especially like, the trainers that I work with pretty closely and regularly that have a really good feel of the horses, um, where you watch them go and they're really not lame, but you start seeing little things performance wise that you're like, Hmm, that that's, that's not quite right. There's gotta be something going on there. Like you might have a horse that you do a walk trot 
exam on and it walks and trots fine. And then as soon as you see the thing canner, you're like, well, what the heck is happening? <laughs> yeah. So what I think, I think it's really important for owners. You are always your horse's biggest advocate as an owner. So, and I think as a trainer as well, if you feel like there's something going on with your horse, don't like go to town with that. Like don't, I have seen in instances in my career where sometimes people try to mansplain you and, and act like they know more than what you know about your horses and kind of write you off as owners and, and sometimes intimidate you and almost make you feel like you're dumb for, for thinking that. But almost nine out of 10 times, like there is something there. You just have to look for it. And you yeah. sometimes it's like an onion and you have to peel all the layers back, but it, it's real. So I would say as an owner, stick to your guns. Like if you're finding that there's an issue, either continue working with your vet until you find that issue, or if your vet is unwilling to explore that issue with you, go to somebody else for a second opinion, because they should be willing to work with you on that. Like, that's what I always tell my clients. Like, even if I'm not seeing something, we need to look into it if you're feeling something. So I've even had, I mean, recently I felt like a total idiot, but one of the trainers that I work with really closely, he's a reigning trainer. And he's like, Katie, I just don't understand this horse just doesn't feel right, but he looks fine. And he, like, he made me get on this reigning horse and ride it for, for a lameness exam. And I look like an idiot because I don't ride Western or anything like that, but you could totally feel what the horse was doing. So like, I'm on it in jeans and like, that's amazing. Like moccasins, like riding this rainer around. <laughs> so, but like, you know, the horse, you would take it down straight away and it would automatically like drift left and then you pick up a canner in like one direction it just felt like a jackhammer under your seat but then the other direction felt really nice and yes. smooth and maintain everything so like those are things that sometimes you can kind of see like on a lunge line or things like that um but I mean I guess sometimes feeling it <laughs> too is is a way to do it but so that horse was kind of cool to be able to like correlate those things. And it's nice, you know, that that particular trainer was like, yeah, just get on. <laughs> right? They're probably like, there is something you have to feel this. It is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that's the biggest thing is, you know, just making sure that you're working with somebody that's willing to hear you out. And sometimes you know, for us as veterinarians, what's helpful is like, if you feel like you have a complicated lameness, like when you're scheduling an appointment, being like, hey, can we please schedule enough time so we can do a written exam, whether it's you or the owner riding the horse, and then we can do an in-hand exam, and then we have plenty of time. Because I find that's the only time that sometimes I have a hard time is like, if the owner or the person scheduling the appointment doesn't set up the expectations for the appointment at the time of scheduling, and then they get there and I've scheduled you for a half an hour of chiropractic work, but we really need to do like two hours of a lameness exam. Yeah. Um, 
So I would say that's the biggest thing is just with whoever you're scheduling with trying to communicate like what your expectations are and what your concerns are so they can be sure to schedule you enough time. Um, and then I think another common thing that I get since I do chiropractic work along with lameness work, a lot of people really feel like their horse needs to be adjusted. And your horse is just really lame. <laughs> so chiropractic does not fix everything like body work does not fix everything so I think knowing the differences in that obviously if you have a lame horse they're going to have chiropractic issues and you can help fix those things but then if your horse is so lame you're going to have those same issues in like three to five days again yeah. so if you work with a body work person and they're always finding the same things but then the horse reverts back to the same problems in a short period of time, that's definitely an indication that you want to have more of a lameness type exam done. Yeah, that's great say. advice too. Um, I work with Rhonda Martin quite a bit up here and I feel like she's really good about looking at stuff and being like, mm, I'm afraid to even do anything with that because it could mask some of this for a while, but I feel like you need to go see a vet and get a lameness done. Yeah. yeah and I Kansas City area is very fortunate to have Rhonda because she is very knowledgeable. And I think she does, for the most part, do a really nice job of like recognizing like, yes, I'm going to make this probably better in the short term, but I don't think as a long term fix, there needs to be some more in it. You know what yeah. I mean? So She's been great working with vets in our area. They've just kind of passed the horses back and forth until stuff gets resolved. But so um, going back to this idea of horses feeling really different one direction than the other, I feel like as we go through the training process, like one of the biggest goals in the whole process is getting the horse to where they're decently ambidextrous and every horse is going to be one-sided, you know, just from the get-go. That's something that like, as we're building them through the training process, we're constantly working at building up their weaker side and, you know, helping them soften that stronger side. And it's always you know, kind of this play back and forth. And sometimes from a training perspective, I'll notice kind of like you mentioned that, um, you know, it's like, this should be getting better faster <laughs> and it's not, or it's like drastically different one side than the other. What are some different modalities that you have? Like we talked about injections. We talked a little bit about chiropractic, like what are some other resources, um, that we have physically for the horses to be able to help them with that kind of thing? Yeah, so I think horses are, they all mature at different rates. And sometimes some of them are just incredibly awkward for amounts of time. And, you know, I think if you want to check all your boxes, certainly you can have your vet come in and just do like a preemptive exam and be like, hey, can we just watch this horse trot and flex him and make sure there's nothing weird going on here that is causing these things. Um, I and it, sometimes it's stupid stuff, like not even necessarily ridden things. Like I recently had a barrel mare that she came to me for a second opinion um, because the horse had been treated on and off for EPM for like six to 12 months, something like that, but had a lot of weird things going on with it. And like one of the things being like, she was really horrible for the farrier and she would stomp her feet down for the farrier. 
but if they shod her on like sand versus concrete, she was better. Like, but like just lots of weird things. And they're like, we want you to give us your treatment for EPM. And I was like, okay, let's pump the brakes here. Let's do full. <laughs> like we can do a neuro exam. Let's just check all the boxes and kind of start fresh and see if we can figure something out. Because like, obviously you've treated this mirror a ton of times, like just weird stuff. So we ended up doing a full lameness exam on her. She was hard to pick up her legs. She would just want to stomp them down, like kind of an anxious mare um, and flexed her. She was positive deflections like on her front fetlocks. And I talked to the owner, did a full neuro exam. This thing checked out beautifully neuro wise, but again, just had kind of this weird stuff going on. So talked to the owner about the positive flexions and I was like, <clears throat> I'm not even gonna charge you, but I wanna take pictures of this horse's ankles. Like something is just like, this ankle's a little more rounded. She's really sore when you look at it, like, like flex it. Like we just need to look into this a little bit more. And took her ass of both ankles, <clears throat> huge chips in both ankles oh. that no had caught on this mare at all through her training and, and several veterinarians and things like that. So. We sent her down to have surgery and have the chips taken out. And now she stands great for the farrier. Now she, <laughs> now she does all these things. So I guess like just the hammering from the farrier, like with her ankles, like just was uncomfortable for her. But she was so she was a barrel mare. She was still clocking. She was still winning. Oh my God. Um, so just stuff like that, like where I think with the young horses, just making sure they don't have something weird because like that mare on, you know, a lunge line or on straight line, she wasn't lame at all, mm -hmm. uh, but just a little bit sore deflections and they pulled gravel out of her ankles. I mean, the chips were huge. So um, stuff like that, making sure that the compensations aren't coming from a physical issue that are then leading to a training issue. I think sometimes just having a baseline exam done especially for breeders of fast growing horses I think even before they go into training just doing a set of films of like common areas that they could develop OCD lesions or things like that just so you know before you start stressing that horse is not a bad idea um but otherwise <coughs> if you're checking all those boxes and the horse appears sound and doesn't have any issues but is still like weak one side versus the other. I think working on like strength is huge for these horses. So in incorporating things, even like an Equicore type system. Yeah, those are neat. You want to describe that for our listeners a little bit? Yeah. So it's basically like a saddle pad that you get that has buckles that has an elastic band that goes under the belly and then an elastic band that goes around the hind quarter of the horse. So basically the thought is it helps with proprioception to get the horse thinking about engaging its core and kind of tucking and using its hind end. Could you define so proprioception for us really quick? Yeah. So proprioception is basically like just the horse learning where its bits and pieces are in space and how to control those bits and pieces. Um, so it's kind of almost like Pilates for horses, <laughs> right? It's like a horse on a Pilates machine, the Equicore is. So I think doing things like that, 
I think cross training is huge to help um, get the horse thinking about where its limbs are. So <clears throat> not just arena work. I think if you can ride the horse in the arena and then go ride the horse on a trail or go ride the horse down the road, um, even if you don't jump, like taking the horse over, you know, trot poles or, or things like that to get it lifting its limbs and think about where its feet are. I know you guys do a lot of obstacle training and things like that to yeah. <clears throat> get the horse's mind engaged and figure out where your feet are at and, <clears throat> and things. Yeah, so, I think it's easy for people to get stuck in the same routine with their horses. Um, and like you said, riding them on all types of different footing and everything is huge and cross training. And, and to be honest too, as well, I think a lot of horses lack just kind of a consistent program too, fitness wise, you know, where that could be really beneficial for them as well. So could you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about acupuncture? Yeah. So it's voodoo that seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like I've always, I just so fascinated by it. I go to an acupuncturist myself. I love it. It's amazing yeah. stuff. I mean, he's fixed all kinds of things on me that just seem like completely like just crazy that it would work. Um, and I've had yeah. a little bit done on my horses too, but not as much, but yeah, like, I just want to like, I want to hear your thoughts yeah. on it. Yeah. So basically how I describe acupuncture to clients is it's a little bit difficult because how Eastern medicine is described and thought about is just way different than Western medicine. So when you're diving into that realm, you just have to immerse yourself in what <laughs> it has. So when I typically will kind of scan over the horse's body, like a pressure scan that I do for my chiropractic and acupuncture treatments. And I'm going over their acupuncture meridians and points. So basically you can think about the meridians for acupuncture as kind of like different highways on the body and they go all different ways. And then the points are like the exits or mile markers along the highway. So um, they either start on the head or the chest and then either start or end on the feet um, and just kind of work their way all over the body and, and do different things. So basically when you're finding a horse that's painful in the area or reactive at certain points, it's because their body is not at like a homeostatic or, or, or balanced state. So it has either an excess or a deficiency of energy somewhere that's causing it to be reactive or sore. So you can use different points with your acupuncture needles to influence the balance of the energy in the body. And it sounds so stupid. When <laughs> but you just have to it works. It. So we're going with it. Yeah. And so you just redistribute the energy through the body until things are non-reactive and they're back to a balanced state. So certainly different points are helpful and effective for, for different things. So I had, I bought a little draft cross mare from a client of mine a couple of years ago, because sometimes things just intrigue me and I'm like, I'll take that. So, um, but I had her in the summer and she did not sweat at all. Hmm. Like she would get so overheated. She was like, 162 hands, Shire Cross, black, just a big mamba of a, of a lady. And 
she would be panting, not able to sweat, like couldn't do anything. And you could do certain acupuncture points on her and she would just downfall with sweat. That's amazing. Put the acupuncture needles in and things like that. So there are weird things like anhydrosis that you can help manage with acupuncture. Um, other things that I really like are like, um, neurologic issues, like, uh, facial nerve paralysis or, or things to, to get the nerves firing again, definitely pain issues like laminitis or navicular. Sometimes we'll incorporate that, you know, some of our kissing spine horses. So can be used for everything. And I mean, for me, I guess kind of going back to like my performance side of things, it's like, I definitely have a routine of Lenny when we're at shows. Um, you know, I bring all my chiropractic stuff. I bring my acupuncture stuff. And, You've got it made going to shows with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she gets off the trailer and the first night we're there, like she, I always adjust her. I always put all her needles in her and let her like kind of soak it up and, and get, you know, happy again. Cause obviously she's getting slammed around in the trailer and, and hauling is really hard on horses. I feel like people don't realize how hard it is. So hard. And I mean, I recently put like a, a backup camera in the horse compartment of my trailer that works. I like saw that, that on Facebook today and I was like, that is the best idea. Cause it just, you just run a wire from your truck back to your trailer. Right. Or how does that work? Well, not even that, like you just, uh, like the power, you just tap into your like trailer wiring and then it's all wireless transmission. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's so smart. Yeah. So it's, it's super easy. It's like 200 bucks, but like once you watch your horse going through the mountains of North Carolina Mm -hmm. bouncing in your trailer, even though it's a nice trailer and she has plenty of room, like you're like, I get why you are a little sore (laughs) for this and very tired. So anything that I can do to try to help minimize that stress for her, you know, we definitely do. And um, so I think it can be very helpful for recovery and things like that. So like after cross country, you know, do acupuncture on her um, as well in those instances. And it, it just, it seems like it definitely helps following chiropractic work to, to relax the muscles, relax the fascia and keep everything from bouncing back to getting tight again. Cause there's so much muscle memory, like, yes, you can adjust them, but you, that's where, you know, people like Rhonda are really handy that they can spend 30, 45 minutes massaging that fascia. And they have really good skill set and knowledge of how to massage that fascia. So so things either kind of move back into place there themselves, or if they've done that after I've adjusted a horse, then everything kind of stays like it is. You know, for me, I don't have 45 minutes to massage a horse right. and I don't have the knowledge or the skill set to then do that massage. Um, so I find that the acupuncture doesn't take the place of massage, but definitely kind of helps serve on the same path as that as far as the muscle memory and the tightness of the fascia and of course that has had some chiropractic issues or lameness issues or or things along those lines yeah there's like a nervous system memory that their body kind of holds right from like whether it's an injury or an incident or like you said fatigue from a trailer or whatever absolutely so I think 
you know, that's the other thing for young horses that are getting started. They are probably the most in need of body work and chiropractic work out of all of the, you know, ranges of horses because they they haven't learned their job yet. Like they're fumbling through things, trying to figure out how to use their body. They don't have muscle memory yet to know how to do these things. So they're always out of whack. Um, so that's like, I do a lot of work on rainers now and you see them get so sore, like in their fraternity year, like their three-year-old year, but then like their four and five-year-old year, it's not that they're getting worked any less, but their body has developed and their training has developed that they now have muscle memory and they have the muscle and the strength to support those joints. So I find that horses we did a lot of work to before are actually sounder and you do less work to later on once they have figured out their job. That makes a lot of sense to me. I feel like I see the reverse of that a lot where people will go purchase a horse that maybe hasn't had a really good or consistent program. And it's like, they just have like years and years and years of lopsided muscle memory and all these negative patterns that have been put into them over time. And it's like, I don't feel like people understand a lot of the times when they're purchasing a new horse in that kind of situation, it's almost like a rehab project just to get the thing riding around evenly. And, um, and yeah, it's great to, to hear about all these different options that owners have for their horses and start, you know, really get that kind of team, find a vet that will team up with you. And I always say that, to really have a successful program. And I don't care if it's a, somebody who's competing on their horse or if they're trail riding it or whatever, we want those horses to be as comfortable as possible to be able to do the job that they need to do. And it really takes a team, like everything from the farrier to the body worker, to the vet, to the trainer, to the, whoever's doing its teeth, whether that's the vet or, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so many people it takes. It's not just the training program. No. No, and I think that's, I don't envy your guys' position at all because I think sometimes that can be very difficult for trainers and owners to get on the same page about. Like, you can't do your job if you have a horse that is uncomfortable. Yes. Um, You can't do your job if somebody is only willing to pay, you know, 50 bucks for a reset that's super shocked. And instead of paying for somebody who has good knowledge and can put good shoes on that horse. And same for me, it's like, you can spend thousands of dollars for me to inject that horse, but if you're not taking care of its feet, yeah. my injections are fast. So it is, it's, it's a very much so a holistic approach. And I think the people that do well are the people that get that, that yeah. get, you know, what is, a penny of prevention is worth or a pound of prevention is worth of yeah now it's in prevention is worth a pound of cure yep 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 (laughs) I mean it is it's so true and I just I used to do the problem horse thing and that was kind of my main bread and butter 
And I wish I could go back and do it all over again because I would do it super differently than I do now. And I say that, but I don't know that those clients that I had back then would have been as willing to go down the rabbit hole with me on some of these courses. But I'm really fortunate in that way now. I can just tell any one of my clients, I've got just the best set of clients, and I can tell any one of them, hey, something's not right. And they're just on it. They're like, okay, call my vet. We're getting on this like tomorrow because. They're just, and I tell them like, I'd rather you take a month, pull your horse out of training for a month, save that money and put that money towards, you know, an exam with your vet or, you know, whatever it needs to be to be able to get that horse the help they need. Cause in the long run, we're going to keep running up against the same problem over and over again until that horse is comfortable. Absolutely. And that's what I, I, my assistant and I have this discussion often. We have truck tops every now and then. <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall on one of those. <laughs> Um, or maybe not, <laughs> but yeah, you know, people who say they can't afford to like take care of their horses appropriately or give them certain care, but it's like, if you would not go to like one show, one clinic, right. whatever that you're doing with your horse, you could pay to appropriately care for them. So it's like, if you're expecting them to do all these things. It's like, yeah, I dump a lot of money into my horse. I mean, it's expensive for me to do it, even though I'm a vet, but right. I'm, I'm still expecting a lot of her and I'm hauling her around to these things. Like I have to take care of her first before I ask her to do anything. So I think sometimes just making sure owners like expectations and like their head is in the right spot for, for things right. is, really important like the priorities yeah having that empathy for the horse and recognizing that none of this happens without them and they didn't ask for any of this so I feel like it's really on us to make it as comfortable and fun as possible for them right we're asking you know everything right yeah absolutely absolutely because they don't know I mean maybe probably most of them would be perfectly content just sitting in the field eating grass (laughs) run over a cross country course and haul my butt over jumps you know yeah. what I mean like it's so, so true I think most of them really would just be like fine with that especially if the alternative is being horribly uncomfortable you know when their human is riding them I mean who wouldn't right. choose you know being peaceful and content out in the pasture over that yeah absolutely absolutely well I can't thank you enough for coming on here with me today yeah. and and sharing all your wisdom with us. And I can't wait to go back and listen to this again. <laughs> Thank you for, for having me on here. And I'm excited for all these social media platforms to try to educate people. Because I think that's the biggest thing is like, I don't think anybody is intentionally trying to not take care of things or, or trying to, you know, cheapskate things. But I think it's just a lack of knowledge that yeah. people don't even realize what they're doing and they don't realize the connection of the dots to right. things. They don't I, hard because horses to be able to tell if a horse is in pain or not is a really hard thing. Right. And a lot of horses are super stoic. Like you oh wouldn't know. I'm sure you found yeah. some crazy things on some horses that you wouldn't have even thought. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And it's like some of these, like, especially probably a lot with what you deal with, like some of these just like good, like quarter horse ranch type horses. 
some of those guys, you could cut off their leg and they'd be like, it's fine. It's just a flesh wound. I'm just going to keep on trotting down, you know, yeah. a little here. And They're bred okay. to be really gritty and tough. Yeah. So like those guys, those are the ones you want to take care of for sure. And, and sometimes the ones that can be really challenging for vets because the, the volume for some horses is so high where the same exact amount of pain is so low on other horses. Yeah. So just again, going back to working with your trainer and working with your veterinarian, you have to approach every horse a little bit different. Like one horse might pack a leg while another horse just kind of like grits its teeth and trots down, trots down and they could have be having the same amount of pain. So yeah, I think, but I totally commend you on, on trying to spread the knowledge and, and get everybody to be better horsemen and, and not be afraid to ask questions about their horse and, and advocate for their horse. You know, yes. I think everybody looks at veterinarians as being kind of like the end all be all as far as like knowledge and things like that. But I'm a firm believer that you learned something from everyone. So I'm always looking to like pick up things from different trainers and owners and, and things like that, because they spend way more time with their horse than I do. So uh, yeah. I tell my owners that too. I'm like, Hey, if you notice something's not right and I miss it, you know, cause I've only seen this horse for 30 days and I don't know what normal is. Tell me. Cause I mean, we are, I just, I love that. Like that you just can't say it any better than we are our horses biggest advocates. And that is our job to make sure that yeah. they're taken care of and they're feeling good. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great evening and. <laughs> yeah, you too. Thanks so much again. I really appreciate it. What a great interview with Dr. Sisk. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. I learned a lot. There were a lot of good little nuggets of information in there, and I hope you did too. If you're interested in Dr. Sisk's services, you can text her clinic at 417-448-0131. You can also follow her on Facebook at Cadence Sports Medicine and Rehab. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. If you are enjoying my podcast, please visit pioneerhorsemanship.com where you will find the training tips and mindset coaching that I use every day to help my students and myself develop the mental, emotional, and physical skills that we need to become better for our horses. I'll see you there.